Hi you guys, I'm Abria. I'm Jayla. And I'm Olivia. Welcome back to Click. We're in the Black Box Studio. Woo, my first time here. Yeah, my first time here too. Hi. And so like this week we're talking about black criminality and just how that is reflected in television. Um, specifically in, you know, what our class is about, the black sitcom. And we're, you know, going to pick some stuff out of the episodes we've watched this week and literature and different things that we're reading and researching. We'll tie it into some current events and try to give a holistic picture of what we're talking about. Um, just before we start, I kind of want to give you an idea of who I am. I'm Olivia, and I'm a white woman, so that's my perspective of today. And I'm Jayla, you know, again, and I'm a black woman. And I'm a Bria, and I'm also a black woman. So we're just trying to get, like, we're going to have, like, more female approach to all of this, and we can only just go off what we know and what we see, mm-hmm. and other things aren't taken into account. So today, because we're going to be talking about black criminality, we think that it's important that we are, as in every episode, we're going to make sure that we stick to our ethic. So today we are talking about black criminality, and because it's a hard topic to talk about, um... We want to point everybody to our ethics, where number one is we will always put humanity first. Number two, we will respect and honor the differences of those around us, even when we disagree. And number three, we will extend sympathy and empathy to our fellow men and women, even in our criticisms. So have that in the forefront of your mind as we continue our conversation on black criminality. Because a lot of the TV shows and literature we're reading, it could be fiction, but fiction has some types of truth in it and a lot of people are seeing their lives reflected through these episodes and a lot of us have had these experiences and that's why I like when we talk about things like this no matter who we are gender color whatever we gotta like make sure we know at the end of the day that people are people people are people yeah so we're gonna hop right into pass me the remote hey pass me the remote Okay, so this week we watched a couple of different episodes, and we're kind of talking about episodes like we watched a couple of weeks ago, things we watched on our own terms. I know personally I watched um, Mistaken Identity, the first Prince of Bel-Air episode, mm-hmm. where Will and Carlton got arrested because they um, were assumed to be the carjackers in the right. town or whatever, yeah. and they weren't. They weren't they confirmed. Weren't, and they weren't confirmed, and they got arrested unlawfully. They they kind of broke a couple of different laws oh, while with arresting them. That's one episode I know I particularly watched that wasn't like on our syllabus. I watched Family Matters with Good Cop, Bad Cop, mm-hmm. and that one was kind of like a eye opener for me, coming from well, I am a black woman, and just seeing how it was being harassed mm-hmm. right for no reason. Yeah. And he had to definitely foster too. Yeah, and he was frustrated because he had to try to get his father to believe him that right. he did not do this. A common thing throughout a good bit of this episode is convincing yeah. the parents yeah. that you're not in the wrong. Right. And that kind of goes with Theo and the joint on um, the Cosby show we watched, the Cosby episode that mm-hmm. we watched. Claire assumed that his friends were the reason that Theo had a joint in the back of his book. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause, oh, because none who, of his friends who, go who, by their names. Who goes by Cockroach? Yeah. Like, who does yeah. that? <laughs> who was like, yep, I'm going to name you Cockroach. And like, what? Also, Moesha in her episode, her dad and mom, or well, stepmom, yeah. assumed that the joint, wow, a lot of joints in these Yeah, a lot episodes. of joints in these episodes. Um, and then we also want to point to moments in a different world, uh, Cats in the Cradle. I think that's an important episode that we talk about. 
Um, and then we're also going to point to some literature, some by KFA Lehman, um, some other articles that we'll give you more specifics on when we start talking about them in case you want to in case you want to find them. And just briefly, you know, I've been starting to read The Hate You Give right before I go see the movie. Mm -hmm. It's just a couple chapters in, but it just says so much already in the first seven chapters about Black criminality and just us assumptions and Black people just truly being guilty before being innocent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we're going to hop into it. And get, you know, some real talk going mm -hmm. on. Okay, so real talk. So we're going to start off and talk a little bit about Theo and the Joint and the episode of Moesha that we watched because they're both connected by the fact that their parents are in Asia, her dad and her stepmom, find a joint in, in their things and assume that it is their children's. Yeah, and the Moesha episode is titled, Hello, What's This? And going off like everything we've seen and what you just said is like, both parents just assumed their kid right. was in the wrong. And it wasn't even like the police or some, like they were criminals in the eye of the world. Mm -hmm. They were criminals to their parents in a sense. Right. Because Claire and Dr. Huxtable, when they, when they find the joint almost immediately, like Cliff is trying to, kind of trying to be rational. Claire does what most parents do. And she tries to blame Theo's friends in a sense and be like this can't be his this has to be this has to be his friends but then they kind of unite into maybe this is Theo's maybe this joint is Theo's and I have a question do you do you guys think that black America has adapted to what white America uh, portrays as black people such as you know how the parents assume that it was their joint mm -hmm. you get what I'm saying instead of being like no that's my child they wouldn't do it. I think that in these episodes, absolutely, because mm -hmm. there's there doesn't seem to be a moment, like a cohesive moment where the parents are like, I raised my son, I raised my daughter better than that. I know mm -hmm. that this isn't theirs, even though nothing, I mean, in previous episodes of both The Cosby Show and Moesha, you don't get a sense that either character, Theo or Moesha, would be into drugs. Yeah, and like Claire said, like, you know, we don't tolerate this. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not what we do. So, in a sense, I feel like it's a sense of fear mm -hmm. that they're having of that their child has something illegal on them. Right. And they know the outcome of what could happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's why they seem also, they did raise them better. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know for sure, and my mom, Mom probably killed me. But, like, it's, like, that thing. Like, so I don't necessarily see that we're in, in a sense, like, yeah, they're kind of viewing it through white America's eyes, but it's also, like, I know I told you don't do this, don't do that, so right. now you're disrespecting me. Yeah, I guess it kind of, they're also, they could be thinking about it in the fact that, like, this almost shows my parenthood in a bad way. Mm -hmm. um, and then in class, we also talk about talked about fearing the black body. So I feel mm -hmm. like... In Claire's eyes, I feel she's fearing her son's safety. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, with <laughs> Claire specifically, just assuming that it was his friends just because of their nicknames, mm -hmm. I feel like that is one big thing of like the whole criminality right. aspect yeah. of not trusting someone because they go by a nickname or they look a certain way, different things like that. And that kind of, in a sense, can be just 
a parental and like how a person was raised and how they assume of people, mm -hmm. but also just how the world assumes of certain black people by having a hoodie or having some name they can't pronounce or just not going by their real name. Like what is there to hide if you're not being who you are in a sense? So I feel like that is a really big like, Claire, now, why are you judging his friends? Because in a sense, do you not trust Theo to pick good friends? Right. Do you right. not tr trust Moesha? Like, especially, like, in Moesha's case, like, old dude is always at her house <laughs> eating breakfast and dinner and right. lunch and everything. Like, do you not trust him? Right. So it's different things like that. And then it's interesting in the Moesha episode because at the very beginning, after they find the, they find the joint, they're like, oh, well, she's been acting weird lately. This could be, this could be, it could be because she's smoking weed. It could be because we found this joint. But I think that it also, it's like a different time of Moesha's life. So it's, her parents are not fully like understanding that. And they're also teenagers. So, right. I mean, parents question everything teenagers do. Mm -hmm. And it kind of like goes into like the Family Matters episode as well about Carl questioning Eddie. Mm -hmm. and like what did you do right not what happened not like it's, it's a sense of lack of trust between the parents and the child when mm -hmm. they get in trouble mm -hmm. right. and that's and your parents are a whole different type of police right mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i feel like that's kind of why we're watching these things is like not only are you being policed in the outside world you're also being policed in your own home right and quickly going back to the Moesha episode i thought that if you watch the episode they give a like a brief intro before the episode starts playing where they're sitting on the couch and they're like this episode deals with serious topics and and in today's world I was in my mind in 2018 I'm thinking oh no because I hadn't seen the episode episode before I watched it for class and I was like oh no what are we what are we about to go get into and then they found the joint and I could just see how our conversation has like shifted uh, when we're like talking about drugs, when we're talking about criminality, it's shifted so much from when the episode was released to now in 2018. Yeah. Because drugs are kind of seen as the gateway to criminalization in the right. Mm -hmm. That's always been the case. Yeah. But in the, to go back to the Family Matters episode and the way that Eddie has to almost convince his, convince his father in the same way that Theo has to convince his father mm -hmm. that, that he didn't do this. I think is heartbreaking because there should be, I feel like there, it's hard when not even your parents recognize that this isn't you and that Eddie, there's a moment when he says like, this is, this was the worst day of my life. This was the worst thing that's ever happened to me. And I got through it and all I wanted to do was come home and be believed by my parents, but his father didn't believe him. Mm -hmm. Um, and he was like, it was just because I was a black guy in a white neighborhood. And the cop said that. Right. When his father, I'm blanking on his name, but when Carl, his, Carl, mm -hmm. Carl, when Carl goes to confront the two uh, white cops that he, that pulled over Eddie and gave him a ticket, the cops don't even know why they pulled him over in the first place. They can remember who he is, they can remember he's black, but they can't remember why they pulled him over. And then the cop said something like, it was dark and he was black. So, right and the, and like if he's in his neighborhood he's looking for trouble and it's like why can't he just be a resident of this neighborhood right, exactly. what is a white neighborhood right what is a black neighborhood mm -hmm. yeah and that kind of goes with the um a different world episode cats in the cradle where the guy was like you know my my family 
immigrated here and worked hard. And Dwayne's like, well, my grandfather and family built the country. And so, but these, at the same time, because we look different, my family wasn't allowed to drink coffee right um at a diner at the counter mm-hmm. gotta go through the back door right you you're fine and dandy right for going in there and the cop in a different world still you know he could be iffy but he did want to hear the actual truth of the matter yeah. and when the guy was like i should have sprayed it in your face he was like oh now we have a confession. Mm-hmm. And now, for the most part, we're treating everybody fairly. Yeah. I think that my favorite line of that of that episode, Cats in the Cradle, is when Dwayne says, I'm an educated black man, your worst nightmare pun. Mm-hmm. I think that speaks a lot to who Dwayne is as a character. Dwayne, and just like in general, like any type of person who's technically in the minority of America, mm-hmm. and if they're educated, you can't beat someone who's educated. Because right. ignorance is bliss. Right. And if I just and if I disrupt your world because I know more than you, mm-hmm. now you're like, oh no, we got to stop this, we got to stop this. Right. And I think that's why, like you know, that line struck people so much, which is why a different world inspires so many people to go to college so they can right. know more and be like, nah, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna get over my head today. But also in the first Prince of Bel Air episode talking about like how cops are treating people i was just thinking about that yeah. boy the cop is completely <laughs> different mm-hmm. he's more of the cops that carl was yelling at right and i think that's why philip's monologue even on viv i'm like her yelling at them was so powerful because this guy's like be quiet calm your wife down but did you so like, disrespectful? Yes. That was so disrespectful. I didn't even know he was talking to a dude. So. No, just like no respect whatsoever. And I feel like in a couple of these, in a couple of the episodes we watched, like throughout, but like just throwing it out there, are we Brief introductions? Are we specifically making the cop bad? Do you mean are we making the cop bad? Like, are purpose? they writing the character of the cop bad and negative and rude on purpose? I feel like it has to be on purpose. It has to showcase. They're not saying that there aren't, you know, good cops in America, but mm-hmm. to showcase, to have a platform to showcase these bad cops mm-hmm. because they do exist in greater numbers than they should. Mm-hmm. And so they definitely need, need to use that platform to do so. Yeah, I feel like they, it's basically showing reality. Mm-hmm. Like, these are how um, cops are treating black people today. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I guess they are um, portraying themselves as bad people. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, police brutality, Colin mm-hmm. Kaepernick is your meme. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what, I think that's also getting lost in the media. Yeah, and I think, like, these episodes, you know, so many things that you would think shouldn't be a problem right. anymore, and then, like, we're here in 2018, and it's like, oh. Yeah, because they were released, like, what? Early 15, 90s. 20 like, years ago, if, like, if not more, and these issues that we're watching on screen for class they're still in almost every class that we have. They're connected back to real world 2018 issues mm-hmm. in like a very real way. And some things are like things that happened yesterday. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, wow. Right. And like, I, you hate the phrase, sometimes I hate the phrase history repeats itself. But in all honesty, like, here this is, is the evidence right here that it does. If you needed more evidence, and if you do, contact us on social media. You know, yes. click at Black Talk Studios, Instagram or Facebook. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess, you know, we're going to like take this real talk we just had and kind of debrief and go in deeper on Second Thought. Yeah. See you there. Um, on Second Thought.
So welcome Thank back you. to On Second Thought. We're about to get real academic up in here. And we're just going to like talk a little bit more deeper about the episodes and just pulling up the receipts that we have to kind of back it and show how these episodes tie into real world things, other literature, other episodes, and just like our own opinions, but making sure we're very like, you know, unapologetic about it, but also very educated. So, yeah. Keeping with our ethic. Yes. Yes. Humanity first. Humanity first. And we value each other's opinions. Mm-hmm. We do. All right. So let's get started. Let's get started. All right. So something that I wanted to talk about was a KSA Layman article that we read um, called I Am a Big Black Fan Who Will Never Own a Gun Because I Know I Would Use It. What did you guys think about the article? We read this article for class, so we're all familiar with it. What did you guys think about it? First instinct. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. Whoa. But, like, the title. Like, I feel like if you just read the title, like, do you do you even need to go further? Yes. But, like, yes. I just, it reminded me so much of how, in a sense, black people are holding so much anger inside. Mm-hmm. And we can only control it to an extent. Which is why I feel like black women get the angry black stereotype because once it's out, it's out and it right. might be in the wrong spot. I'm doing quotes. Like, and so I feel like you, it's, for me, if, if I'm thinking like how a black man might feel in this world, or even as a black woman, because we have been victims of police brutality as well. Mm-hmm. If you If you have a gun on you and you're constantly been getting like, going through hell every single day of your life and one day you snap instead of you yelling you can accidentally pull the trigger right which is why i feel like i'm with you sir i I can't (laughs) have a gun either because me and aries is going to get a little heated and i just cannot but also like the fact of taking someone else's life or taking your own Mm because i feel like in a sense that's something we probably didn't hit on is that you can also take your own life if you had a gun right because of all the shit you're going through and I feel like this title shows how this black man knows how powerful a gun is. Mm-hmm. And you look at police officers, right. like they can't they can't understand that once you shoot that bullet, you can't get it back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, say Layman understands that the importance of a life. Right. Mm-hmm. And what frustration or uh fear would do mm-hmm. once you pull that trick. And I think he does a good job of showing what it's like to be a black body and also have a gun or not have a gun mm-hmm. and he does a good job of showing like I guess through the generations talks about his family and stuff um and one thing that really stuck out to me because this is part of like our humanity section in class yeah and we watched the episode of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air Bullets of Bel-Air and you know Will got shot like protecting Carlton from just a stick up at the ATM right mm-hmm. and Carlton went and got a gun and we all, like, knew, even Will, which is why he did what he did, we, like, patted him down. Right. asked for Carlton Hugman. He's like, he just had a feeling that he had a gun, and he had the gun. He was like, I have to protect myself. But he had that gun in a state of anger. Right. And in a sense, we all kind of felt that Carlton was going to use that gun and not even know how to use it correctly, mm-hmm. which is why I feel like black men who get put in these situations of life and death mm-hmm. and you barely escape with your life, having a gun isn't the solution, which is what Will was saying, too, right. because we all know what we're going through and we all know one more thing could have happened to set Carlton off and boom, right. that bullet he can't get back. It's also interesting to see the way that Will reacts 
I guess, in comparison to the way that Carlton reacts? Because I guess Will has had some, like, this isn't the first time, presumably, that Will has experienced something like this, but being Carlton living in Bel Air and living the type of lifestyle that um, his parents have created for him, he's been afforded a certain kind of privilege where he hasn't had as many encounters with with things like this. I feel like the last couple episodes of The Fresh Prince we've watched, Carlton has really been going through it mm-hmm. because he is he we get the privilege of seeing Carlton who was raised in a very privileged society, not really having to think about his race. Like, you kind of you gotta know it's there, but, yeah. like, it's not really pointed at until Will gets right. there and the constant comparisons of different types of blackness. Yeah. But Will has been in situations where he has to deal with the police and he has to deal with, has to deal with the police and has to deal with, like, how to, you know, act a certain way and do a certain thing when you get pulled over or when you get stopped or just hearing gunshots mm-hmm. in general, like, in her neighborhood, right. and we got to see Carlton in um, the Mistaken Identity episode getting pulled over, not just treating the cop like a normal old buddy, right? And that's not what you do as a black person. And so it kind of like put like points out the question: um, When were you like? Were, did you ever have like that conversation with your parents on how to react or what to do around a police if you get pulled over, stop, question, anything like that? Right, so I'm a white woman, as I said before, and I never had that conversation with my parents. I've never had a conversation about if you get stopped by the police, this is how you should act, this is what you should do. No. Have you had with your friends? Mm-mm. I've never had to have that. I've never had that kind of conversation. Um, I think that because I've never had to be like I've never been afraid of my body representing something that I didn't want it to represent. Um, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, um, me and my family, we haven't had, like, that direct conversation, mm-hmm. but in so many words, they've said, like, okay, call me when you get to a certain place, mm-hmm. or make sure you're not, you know, speeding, or make sure you use your signal lights, things like that, that signals. Um, like, common sense, like, yeah, I'm gonna put yeah. my signal on, like, you right. know, make sure you're following every single exactly, rule. Exactly, every rule. And I feel like, again, my me and my family haven't had the necessarily, like, direct conversation about it because I feel like we, we just missed that conversation, generation group. Mm-hmm. I feel like now, oh, absolutely. Way? I feel like police shootings and, like, police brutality, like, it's always been a thing. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I didn't necessarily have to have that talk along with the birds and the bees talk with my parents. Right. I just was like, you know, when it was happening... I was kind of already in a mindset of like what to and what to and not to do mm-hmm. situation, but the the lower the age got of people dying every day, mm-hmm. I feel like now we really need to go back and teach our youth. Right. Like now, while they're growing up, they're growing up living it. We grew up just watching it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I feel like that's the conversation because in the hate you give, you know, the scene I read was like when they got pulled over, make sure your hands are always seen. Mm-hmm. make sure you're doing this and this and I feel like also in a sense that's kind of where the area you grow up in mm-hmm. yeah exactly. and I was like I I was like you know I didn't grow up in like such a an area where you know violence was everywhere or something like that mm-hmm. but also me a scaredy cat and like you know a very good girl to my parents like <laughs> the only time I ever been pulled over was speeding and me again a scaredy cat I'm out here crying Absolutely. like I don't I don't look like a threat at all <laughs> But, like, what does looking like a threat look like? Right. Exactly. Right. And I also think what you pointed at in 
the hate you give. You, we were talking earlier about how that ties into the Fresh Prince episode mm-hmm. where Jazz is in the courtroom. If you want to kind of explain that a little bit. Yeah, so um, black people, again, like they have a sense of like knowing like what's up, like right before like life happens for them. And so in this Fresh Prince episode, so they're in the courtroom and Jazz is in there with his hands up. So I'm just going to play the clip so y'all can kind of get what we're talking about. You can put your hands down, Jazz. No way. Dude's got a gun. Next thing you know, I got six warning shots in my back. <laughs> Jazz. Okay. I'm putting my hands down So Jazz literally is telling the cop, hand, both hands up, like, you know, we like serve the Bible. Mm-hmm. It's just the one hand. Nah, he got <laughs> both hands up. And he's like, I, you know, it's six warning shots in my back. So the warning shots have already killed someone. Right, mm-hmm. right. Not a warning shot in the leg to no. stop you from running. Not one in the air to just scare you. In your back. In your back. Yeah. You're go- and it's six of them. Because have you noticed, like, it's never been, like, just one no. shot. and it's never really... A- it's never really a warning shot either. A warning shot is not a warning shot is maybe a shot in the air if that not six shots in the back ever. That's never a warning shot. That's also, a, like where's the taser? Like don't y'all like have all these things on you? But also when he was like, I'm putting my hands down now, telling the police off I am not threatening you. I'm not reaching for anything. I'm literally and that's something that was in the hate you give. Like the guy reached in the car to check on her and boom Mm -hmm. gone and it's like even if a black person had a gun what if they had the license for it right and also what makes you automatically think they're reaching for the gun and it's so it's these situations that black people we are always assumed dangerous and that's why even in a courtroom jazz explaining himself will trying to explain to carlton why they're getting pulled over by the cops in the hate you give she's literally mentally going through a talk she had the same time she had the birds and the bees talk right it's because the even the world just like sees black people as criminals Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's so sad that we have to train our children and ourselves that i in the middle of a random conversation with my friends talk about so hey if y'all get pulled over what do you do right and then with jazz you know they had the audience laughing in the background that was was, so weird yeah it's a serious moment yeah and you know and then you look at things like philando castillo Mm -hmm. he had a licensed gun Mm -hmm. and they still shot him right you know like my dad has a license license, and he carries on him every day because of the area he goes to work is a dangerous area right. so you like never know what happens and like he literally just has him for protection mm-hmm. and but my dad a smart man isn't going to just whip it out like all willy nilly yeah. for yeah. any situation and like it it just is I don't understand why the police officers whip it out willy nilly in a right. sense exactly. like I understand you feel some type of threatened Mm -hmm. but when you clearly see that someone is unarmed why are you still scared right you are the authority in this situation Mm -hmm. and i don't that's why i'm just always confused on like when they say the cop was scared for his life i don't believe why were you if you were armed if you are 
trained. If this is the job that you set out for, why are you scared of the person? Like, because it's not, they're not taking into, they're not putting humanity first. And it's like, thank you for protecting us. Mm -hmm. And we say thank you for protecting us and laying your life on the line. Mm -hmm. But you can't do it when there's a guy just walking in a hoodie. Now, oh my goodness, I can't risk my life. Which is not to say that this isn't, that this is every cop. But again, it's to say that there are cops like this out, and those are the cops that we're speaking. And about. we see that with Carl, and him just like, that, that's your coworker. Mm-hmm. Y'all are buddy buddies with each other, mm-hmm. and it's like this one incident happened, and it probably could be like an ongoing thing you just don't know about. It's like, what do you do as a black body in a police officer's uniform? Right. I just feel like, as much as we talk about. The cops doing wrong, and like we have to constantly see pictures of black and minority and women police officers standing at uh white supremacist rallies, mm-hmm. not moving, protecting the people, right? Because yeah. it's their right to protest, mm-hmm. even though they're protesting against your body, right. your humanity, mm-hmm. or we're seeing cops having to stand beside and defend and protect and honor the brotherhood of the police unit and whatnot even though you know again like that is so another person just ruined Mm -hmm. your job and and i know so many people who want to become cops and they're like why it's because in the day even though we hear about all these instances we're still are being protected by them right and once the minority the ones that are looking out for our good you know overpowers the ones that are you know, just doing things just for the hell of it, then, right. you know, you can change mm-hmm. the whole police force if you look at it. But my thing is, if you're a police officer, you have a taser, you have a nightstick, and you have a gun, mm-hmm. why would you pull the gun out first? Right. But of all the things, and it's just really like, it goes back to the quote from Hey You Get sometimes you can do everything right, and things will still go wrong. The key is never stop doing right. Mm-hmm. And some people just give up because they're so tired. Like, I'm constantly right. driving the speed limit. I'm constantly speaking a certain way. And you can do all of that, but it just takes one person right. to just ruin all of that. It's like the conversation that we had um, earlier this year in class where we were talking about if a black person... If someone, if there's like a shooting or something and a black person is like put in the news, it's that black person automatically seems to represent all black people, wherein Mm -hmm. a white person does something and that it doesn't have the same effect. It's the way that the media decides to discuss it, I guess. Mm -hmm. Like I said before, it's like kind of like a psychological effect on black people too, because Mm -hmm. We're looking at the television before they even show the picture. We're like, okay, I hope it's not a black person. Right. Or, you know, we don't do that, but <laughs> we will do this, you know. Like, so. tie it back into Auburn. When yeah. that shooting happened here after the football game, uh-huh. I woke up to the news, and the first thought, I was like, oh, my gosh, a black person was a shooter. Mm-hmm. I just, like, and another thing was, like, I just hope this isn't it. I hope it wasn't the black person shooter because how convenient that it falled during the weekend we played in HBCU yeah. and they're going to blame the HBCU and they're going to blame like Montgomery is. And I'm from Montgomery. We're not all bad people. And it's like so many thoughts. 
and just how Auburn and the media in Auburn was just going to play this story out right. was terrifying to me. And the fact that I automatically thought that the black guy was a criminal says so much about how we are in society and just how we think. It's kind of right. like Claire judging Theo's friends. Mm-hmm. Because assuming, of the names they have. The and names I, they go by. And I see it and I, the, I get the AU alert about a shooting and I was like, wow. Okay, so... Um, this whole section in criminality um reminded me of a BSU, the Black Student Union meeting we had um a couple weeks ago about the Thirteenth Amendment. Mm-hmm. And so just to like let the people know what the Thirteenth Amendment says. <clears throat> section one. Neither slavery nor involuntary servitude, except as a punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted, shall exist within the United States or any place subject to their jurisdiction. Section 2, Congress shall have power to enforce this article by appropriate legislation. And so it brought up the question of, you know, you can't be a slave unless you commit a crime, which means you can go to prison and live there the rest of your life. Right. It brought up the question of, who determines what a crime is? Mm-hmm. And, like, how do we see the 13th Amendment and basically how it's been reflected in present day, which is basically the prison system. Right. And how it's reflected back into these episodes. Right. So how, who determines what a crime is in this episode? Yeah. Or in these, the episodes that we've been talking about thus far in the episode. Mm-hmm. Correct? Mm-hmm. All right. That's a good question. I like that. Um, off rip Claire Claire just knew Claire determined the crime I'm not saying really the crime the crime was like you know having the joint I feel like she already assumed the suspects Mm -hmm. and she was but she went immediately to Theo's friends but we find out later in the episode spoiler alert sorry if you haven't seen it yet you should go watch it Um, been off the the air for 20 plus years um, but Theo knows, Theo knows exactly who it is, and, 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 you know, it's someone, I believe, named Braxton, who he knows from his classes, he figured that it was this guy, figures it out, figures it out, and makes him come and tell Cliff, um, that it was his joint, not Theo's. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's interesting that Claire determines, like, what the crime is, I guess, or... So Claire determines the crime, but then goes off in several different directions before she's kind of, they kind of bring it back to the issue at hand, which is that Theo has a joint in the first place, even though it's not him. Yeah, but her evidence was like strictly based off of nicknames at first. Yeah. So, <laughs> which I, okay. there's not enough evidence. I feel like <laughs> this question is a little bit harder yeah. to do with like, the coffee shops and the money shop episode, but I feel like the diff- a different world episode really like determines like who determines the crime yeah. because all of them were arrested. Mm-hmm. Like the Dwayne and Ron and the white guys, they were all arrested, but the crime was in question. What and was the crime? Because they were all arrested because of fighting. Mm-hmm. And they all they show them telling their stories mm-hmm. in the way that in the way that they tell them they give like a flashback or whatever. And you can see the way in which, I don't remember which white guy is telling the story, but you can see the way that he, like, racializes and he places his, like, views mm-hmm. onto Ron when mm-hmm. he's telling his story. Um, Make Ron seem so aggressive and right, violent. And right, 
whatnot. And, like, if you've ever seen The Different World, you know Ron is literally, like, uh, the jokester. Like, yeah. he's not too serious. I mean, he'll probably see it by his money, but, like, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, it's, like, the crime was still in question mm-hmm. in that episode. And then when the guy got mad and when um, Dwayne came for him because he said some real rude, rude comment about Whitley, um, which is a whole nother whole nother thing. Whole nother issue. Whole nother topic. Um, yes. But he said I should have like spray painted the words in your face. He just admitted to the crime. Right. So what if he what if there was a different type of dirty cop in that situation? Would he have taken that as truth? Would he that would he would have taken that as a confession? Well I feel like we also need to define kind of who like how this cop is portrayed in the episode for our listeners that don't know. Um Um I feel like he's portrayed as Probably neutral because mm-hmm. he, he heard Ron's side. He heard Dwayne. Dwayne. He heard Dwayne's <laughs> side, and then he heard two white guys' side. So I think he weighed out the options, and basically um, the white guy, he basically told on himself at the end. Right. So. And so all three of them, or all five of them, end up being let go. And you, I feel like the way that most of these episodes have gone, aside from aside from a different world, they kind of end up on a brighter, happier note. You know, they prove their innocence or what have you. But that's not the way that this episode ends. It kind of continues the conversation, I guess. It doesn't end it right there. Yeah, and I kind of feel like the Moesha episode with the PSA in the beginning could have definitely been on the front of this A Different World episode. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a serious thing because every single day... And it might not happen to you, but there is someone who is going through exactly what Dwayne and Ron went through. Right. And because we see all around the um, news about different hate crimes and words or nooses or things being hung up around campuses Mm -hmm. to scare black people. Right. And I just feel like it becomes, when it comes, like, in the case of court, like, what is a hate crime? Mm -hmm. Who determines that? Right. And for the most part, it will probably be a white body determining if this right. person committed a hate crime or not. And so I'm just like, because mm, the cop did say the line that killed me, he could have been writing the word nice. Or no, it wasn't the cop who said that. It was, it the, was the, one of the white guys. It was one of the white guys. That. And I said, you, I said some words, but I, you know, can't, <laughs> can't say them on the air. But I was like, he could have been writing the word nice on a car. Who graffitis mm-hmm. someone's car and says nice? And uh, kind of re- fast forward, fast forward, <laughs> one of those things. He was like, the other guy was like, you know, these people like gra- uh, graffiti, right? Right. Just assuming, mm-hmm. like, criminal activities on black people. And the fact that, you know, they spray-painted the N-I on the car, and then when they came back out of the police station, the rest of the word is spray-painted on the car, which plays into the fact that it's, like, a cycle. You know, mm-hmm. it's not... It they doesn't give job. It doesn't give a false idea that because maybe they did or did not have some sort of breakthrough in the jail cell that that ends all type of racism mm-hmm. which i think a, a different world captures really well in the episode yeah and i feel like you know there's just so many things that we see and it's kind of just it's very triggering especially in the um fresh prince episode for me when vivian and phil come in to get Will and Carlton out of jail, uh-huh. the cop didn't take them seriously. No. He told them to be quiet and sit down, but the white guy walks in the room, hey, what can we do for you, sir? Mm-hmm. And oh, we like, oh, we found the people who stole your car. And he's like, I didn't report it stolen. That, that's yeah. that's the first thing. 
This that man didn't even wild. say my car was stolen. Mm-hmm. You just assumed yeah. the crime. Yeah. And you and fit the description, which is why a uh, thing that Carl Winslow said was like, how do you know my son fit the description? Mm-hmm. It was Thanks. a black guy at night. Right. In a neighborhood that we just know much predominantly white people live in. Mm-hmm. And Carl even said that he looked at the descriptions on the crime reports and none of them resemble his son. And it's interesting because Carl says that he keeps up with those descriptions because he knows... He knows that it's possible that his son is going to be, you know, wrongly accused of something. Mm-hmm. So he keeps up with it because he has that. He has to do something that the white cops don't even have to do, wherein he's keeping up with all of these reports just to make sure to protect his son, to protect his family. Yeah, he's like playing two roles, mm-hmm. a black man and a black cop. He's, right. You know, looking out for the black community, but he's also looking out for the community yeah. as a whole. Right. Because he had, he, that's his job is to protect the community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, like, kind of just talking about, like, policing and different things like that, going, going back to, like, some stats we pulled into our BSU meeting, um, the imprisonment rate for African-American women is twice that of white women. Yeah. And it's kind of like one episode I would love to see sometime on TV or even in movies is the black woman in the situation. Right. Because we've only seen Theo, Eddie, Dwayne, Ron, and Carlton and Will. Yeah. What about the woman who goes through this? Mm Mm-hmm. Because that that is just as big of an issue as it is the man being arrested. Mm -hmm. And that brings out so many other (laughs) politics because... Yes. That, but also um, another one is African American children represent thirty two percent of children who are arrested, forty two percent of children who are detained, and fifty two percent of children whose cases are judicially waived into criminal court. And so that one really struck a nerve with me because it's like fifty two percent of children whose cases are judicially waived into criminal court, so they're a child. Mm-hmm. Why aren't they being held in juvenile court cases and things like that? Right. But when a grown man gets on a on a stand. And it's having a fit. Oh, he's a boy, or he's not grown up, and all these X Y making him more youthful, right? And saying these are youthful mistakes, right? But he's a grown man. Mm-hmm. But let a little black kid or Hispanic kid or whatever kid. Oh, he's a grown man, right? It's like goes back to Brett Kavanaugh. He was just a boy, and nearly he was just a boy in when it happened. School, it doesn't. Like, he was what? in high school. He had so much left of his life left to live. I think that it also pulls in. There is a Thing that I saw on the internet that was like Brock, Brock Turner. Exactly what? Do you know what I'm talking about? It was goes to Google. Up, goes to Google, pulls it up. Um, I don't want to butcher it because it was such a good line. But it just shows that like this is a like a repetitive thing right. that we constantly see adults being like, oh, they were boys back then, or locker room talk, or they're just playing. Mm-hmm. But as soon as it is a youth mm-hmm. in a minority um, position. Mm-hmm. They're treated as adults. Right. They, like, it's kind of, remi- oh my God, Les Mis, I'm sorry. <laughs> like, Les Mis, he stole the bread to, like, feed his family. Yeah. His little boy or, like, little girl probably did this thing to somehow help their family. And what they did was wrong. And their, forever, their life is right yeah. thrown, thrown off. Yeah. Now, granted, Les Mis ended very sadly, yeah. but for him at least, it ended up better. But <laughs> yeah, it seems like you know when you look at minorities, they don't have a second chance. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Absolutely either you not. do right the first time, or you know, you're well, criminalized. It's like the what Jayla said in the beginning of the episode when she was like, when we were brainstorming names for the episode, she thought of assumed criminal, right? Mm-hmm. Something like that. Assume the bad guy. Assume mm-hmm. the bad guy. Assume the bad guy, which is plays in really well to what you were just saying when. 
you know, a black body is assumed to be a criminal, even no matter if you're a woman, if you're a man, if you're a child, if you're a grown adult. Um, I know, I keep, like, I'm trying to pull, find the, like, direct quote, whatever, um, but it's, like, a lot of these tweets are saying Brett Kavanaugh is Brock Turner, who all grown up. Brett Kavanaugh happens mm-hmm. when Brock Turners are given a slap on the wrist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so... Brock Turners grow up to be Brett Kavanaugh's who give a break to Brock Turners. It's yeah, like, cycle. Brett Kavanaugh's make the laws for Brock Turners to keep doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, oh my God, sparks a whole nother conversation of how Brock Turner was presented in the media. Mm-hmm. The Stanford yeah. swimmer had his little, you know, tie, button-up tie right. headshot floating around... The- yeah. Internet S- and like all over spooky. the news. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but as soon as there is someone in the minority race, anything, the rhetoric changes completely. Completely yeah. changes. First of all, let's talk about Tamara Rice. Mm-hmm. They got to find the most negative picture they can find. Exactly. They like, like, oh, he's flicking people off in this picture on Facebook. Mm-hmm. What 12 year old boy, like, wasn't yeah. doing that back? Exactly. Did you take photo book pictures ever with your friends? Like, like you're just joking. Like, this middle finger, who, which is all over rock stars, rappers, like, pops, everyone flicks someone off every now and then. Right. But. It's, it's bad and it's criminal, and this is the reason why he was shot and killed. Mm-hmm. This is the picture we're going to post. Right. But we're going to put this very educated white boy on here. But then we also have a very educated black man who was in his own home mm-hmm. shot and killed. Right. Didn't they give a search warrant after he was killed in his I'm own sure. home? Yes, we also found drugs after yeah. the fact. Yeah. In his like own home. Like, after the fact that it's. Okay, can I read this quote really fast? Yeah. Okay, so there's a book that Casey Lehman puts out called How to Slow Your How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America. It's a collection of essays. And there's a quote um, from the article entitled How to Slowly Kill Yourself and Others in America, where he says, 19-year-old black boys cannot be perfect in America, neither can 60-year-old white boys named George. I think it just shows that like there's an expectation of these black boys to be perfect or else, you know, face the consequences of, like, white America, but nobody's perfect, but, you know, these black boys are expected to be perfect or, you know. And this is, this is really, like, just random, and again, we can't hold it, like, so much because it's Dr. Phil, but, like, y'all know, like, the viral thing, that little black girl, because she's black. Oh, my gosh, um, is. Thinking she's white, and she was on Dr. That's Phil. That's ridiculous. Her name no. is Treasure. What? Wow. Treasure is this. You need to watch it. You really need to is watch it. it. I bet it's wild. It's so wild. But the thing is, though, so she believes she is white. and Her hair. She thinks her hair is naturally straight. Naturally straight. She has the perfect lips. She, has, she doesn't have black people ears. Right. <laughs> or nose. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> wait, wait. What? <laughs> black people ears? But the thing is, though, she's not just saying she's a white person. She's very racist. Yes. And she's very okay. degrading, okay. calling black people monkeys, monkeys, and that we think cr- and we think criminally. Okay, black people think, think criminally. criminally. Black okay. people want to be in jail. Mm-hmm. So if you're black, you're automatically like you want to go to jail, right? And this is her mind. She's 16 years old. 16 years old, and she she has a KKK on speed dial, real wild. Yeah. Treasure, pray for her, and. <laughs> And it's like she's saying all these things. She's saying black people are gangers because I know what a ganger is. And all these things. And it's like this little girl 
thinks all these things, and she's right. in a technically she is in a black body. Yeah, so, and she's but she's getting this rhetoric from someone. Right. And so I'm like, do people outside of our race, honestly, do some people truly believe that we think criminally? Oh, I'm sure. Sh- Yes, like, right. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm we're sure. all out here trying to just, hey, sign me up for the next slot in jail. People can make excuses yes. for anything. People can make excuses for the like statistics that you shared earlier. Mm-hmm. People can make excuses for anything. And they make so many excuses yeah. to the point they start to believe it. And they oh, steal I, it yeah. in their children. It's a mm-hmm. cycle. It is a nasty, vicious cycle. Yes. I was freaking watching The Black Klansman last night. Mm-hmm. And... And sometimes, you know, words get misconstrued because, mm-hmm. you know, you, well, just take it back to Jim Crow laws days. Right. So, like, you segregate blacks and whites, and then you give black people uh, the whites' hand-me-downs. And so, you know, we um, black people during that time didn't have the proper education. They didn't right. know how to. And what is proper English? That's a conversation that we had in class, like in yeah. one of maybe the like beginning. the first or second week of class, where mm-hmm. like how do you define what is and isn't a language? What's to say that you know, like a traditional black vernacular, wh- mm-hmm. if you can't define that, is not a language in itself. And it's like all these things, like the way we speak, the way we look, like you're doing this and that, your temperament, all these things are now putting a criminal label on you because you check one or more of the boxes. You're, I'm, I'm me right now sitting in this room with my hair in cornrows. Like, I go out here looking like Cleo from Set It Off, and someone automatically probably will assume something about me because my hair is braided back. Mm-hmm. And you it's like, what? you know what? I wanted to talk about Frankie at the beginning of that movie. Mm-hmm. Now, she grew up in a black community. Uh huh. Her homeboy came in and robbed the bank. Yeah. The bank manager assumed since she knew this black man that robbed this bank right. that she was in on the crime, mm-hmm. and she got fired from the job. So I just had to bring that up. Since yeah, but like she was assumed that. guilty because she knew someone, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's like assumption makes an ass out of you and me. I learned <laughs> yeah. it in seventh grade, and it's yep. stuck with me forever. And so I feel like. I'm not saying Claire made an ass out of herself. I'm not saying that every police officer, assuming something, did that. Mm-hmm. But if we are not educated as a group of people, we're going to keep making asses out of ourselves, which right. is why our country's looking like the way it's looking. Mm-hmm. Because so many of us aren't aren't informed about what's going on. We're not maybe informed maybe on why informed. Colin Kaepernick is taking a knee. That is something that the media has spun out of control. You're They're losing the fact that he started taking a knee in the first place because of police brutality and now the rhetoric has changed into something as it he's and he hasn't kneeled in what like a year he hasn't like, kneeled he hasn't because kneeled. he hasn't had the job yeah because he hasn't had the job and so he's but 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 with him not having a job he's still out here donating money and like going right. out and speaking right which is far these people are standing in their nikes burning their shoes while they're standing in them like what type of sense does that make and so I feel like with all these things, it's like calling, peaceful peaceful protesting, something that's in our Constitution. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's a criminal because he's disrespecting the flag. He's kneeling. You're not supposed to do that. Where does it say you're not supposed to do that? Where people out here out here burning flags a couple mm-hmm. years ago for the mm-hmm. Vietnam War. Right. But he's just kneeling. Like when, and, I, and I compared it in um, a conversation I was having with another class. I said, so when players are kneeling on the field when one of their 
fellow players are down mm-hmm. to show respect. Right. Because a brother is down. Yeah. Colin kneeling for police brutality, he's kneeling for a fallen brother that yeah. is down on the yeah. field with his body out there uncovered and naked for the world to see. Yeah. That is what mm-hmm. kneeling is. It's a sign right. of respect. If you're a Christian or any different type of religions, when you're kneeling, you're showing respect. You're lowering yourself for your God. Mm-hmm. What is so wrong with kneeling when it's, when it's not to a song? Right. We're just singing the national anthem. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many people have whole conversations in the student section in at Auburn University, and yet someone kneels. Oh, my goodness. Nope. Uproar. I think that, have you, do you guys listen to Still Processing? I haven't heard it yet. Okay, so Still Processing is a podcast that the New York Times puts out, and they do a whole episode talking about Colin Kaepernick, and if you're interested in what we're talking about here, go over and listen to that episode, because they do a really good job in giving a viewpoint of, I guess, Colin kneeling and how the rhetoric has changed, and like the what happened leading up to what happened after when he started kneeling and how people are talking about it now. And, like, I just, I feel like at the end of the day, all Americans, like, should know this, but, like, I'm wearing an MLK shirt right now and it says, know your rights. We all need to be very educated on what our rights are because, like, Aunt Bill and Uncle Phil said in that Fresh Prince episode, you are, you're, you're doing wrong. You didn't, you didn't have their lawyer present. You were asking them questions without a lawyer present. You've arrested them on a crime you you most likely just assume they committed right. because they were black boys in a like expensive car, right? And all these other things. And it's like if people are walking around the world with a, probably a target on their back and they don't know their rights, mm-hmm. they're even more screwed, right? If you don't know that you can have a lawyer defend you and like a penny doesn't have to come out of your pocket, like mm-hmm. because no one told you. If someone didn't read you your rights in the timely manner, you you can literally not even be in the situation you're in. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people are just uneducated on their own rights, but also on and like I feel like we're a lot of uneducated on humanity. Right. Which ties back like everything is like you are looking at another human being. Right. Mm-hmm. Every time you make an assumption, you're assuming it about another human being. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just like, I just, it's always a state of me is like, why? Why are you constantly degrading one group of people because their skin is darker than yours? Right. That's basically the only difference. Yeah. But you love them when they play your sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You love them when they can sing and sell out Coachella. You love all these different things about them. You love their culture. Yeah. You love their dance moves, their music, and everything. But as soon as the world is against them, well, against their people, per se. Right. You're not sticking up for those people. Yeah. People got, the, the my favorite, one of my favorite SNL skits was the day Beyonce turned black. <laughs> Beyonce's been black this whole time, but white this people whole... didn't realize she was actually black until her Super Bowl performance. And she had hints of Malcolm X and the Black Panther movement mm-hmm. and all these things. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hmm. This is a this is a little political. This is a little I don't know, the formation music video, it was a little it was a little <laughs> something. But she's saying something about her people. We love Beyonce, but we don't love those Negroes, you know. They're just not <laughs> we're not here for that. It's an extreme statement I just made, but like 
and we are, we can laugh at it, but it's the sad truth. Right. That there are so many people who cheer for Auburn, Bama, Georgia football, but can't stand the people who are playing on the field. Right. And that's like this whole other thing of like, you know, people who own these teams are called owners. Yeah. And the majority right. of the people playing are black. So that's technically like a new age slavery. New age slavery. We're just giving you money now. Yeah. And so that's kind of, you know, a weird way to close out on second thought. But, but I think that it gets the point across. It gets the point across. And, you know, we're, and we're and like, I guess on second thought just kind of sparked another conversation of, you know, athletic of athletic things and musicians and, like, who's actually owning these voices, these players. Right. And why is it the word owner? So, like, you know, on so while, you, while we're, like, wrapping up, just think about that and, like, how does that, like, relate to, like, criminality in a sense, you know? Yeah. And I, also like, think about, like, what if the roles were flipped? Right. What if, like, the white community was oppressed? Mm-hmm. Think about that, too. So, I guess that'll show you how to, you know, mm-hmm. see Put the other side of yeah. being human. Right. Well. Yeah, so, like, we just posed a lot of different questions, and I feel like if you really want to, like, comment on anything, again, our social media, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at us, DM us, like, post these questions because, like, it can get a lot, our minds can get jumbled, but, like, the conversation's there. And once we put it out there, like, you can find that pinpoint, that moment. You're like, yeah, right. I felt something about this. Jayla went left, but I felt that. <laughs> and it's like, that's what that's what On Second Thought is. We're thinking deeper about everything, which sparks all these new conversations. Yeah, and if we miss something that you guys want to hear about, if you want to hear our opinions, we would love to hear what you have to say. So, like Jayla said, DM us and let us know. Shout out to our cousins down the block. So for this segment of Shout Out to My Cousin Down the Block, we want to keep within our ethic to put humanity first by showing respect to our fallen cousins. To the 11 victims in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and to the two victims in Jefferson, Kentucky, the loss of your life will not be in vain. We will continue to work hard to make sure that the love Trump hate and the loss of your life will not be in vain. We will continue to work hard to make sure that love trumps hate and that your unknowing sacrifice will not be taken lightly. And with that being said, we want to remind our listeners, our other cousins, our listeners, our family to go and vote on November 6th. And with that, cue the static. Thank you so much for tuning in to Click this week. As always, you can find us on Facebook at Click C L I K at Black Box Studios.